Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, and you're listening to episode 171. My guest today has never been on the show, um, but that's all right. She has been kind of on the show. Her husband has been on the show a couple of times as my number one most popular guest. And so, of course, when word came down that she had a Kickstarter project, I absolutely had to have her on. She's been a good friend for many, many years. Uh, I'd like to welcome to the show Sandra Taylor. Sandra, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Richard, for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, this is kind of fun, um, right? I, I, we haven't. So, just so everybody knows, full disclosure, Sandra, you were at my wedding, right? Yes. Many years yes. ago, and so when people say, "Oh, how do you know the Taylors?" I usually just start and end the conversation right at that point. Uh, they were at my wedding, and then people go, "Oh," <laughs> and then I don't have to explain any, anymore. So, yeah, we've known each other for a very long time. And uh, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Um, this is kind of exciting. You have a Kickstarter project out there. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. It's a picture book project called Strength of Wild Horses. Strength of Wild Horses. Now, I have a copy of your first book, which was called, called Hold On to Your Horses. And that came – when did that one come out? That was back in 2008. Okay, so 2008. Uh, so, and so 2008, you um, – I remember you uh, brought this book out. Uh, there was no crowdfunding. You didn't use Kickstarter back then. Tell everybody a little bit about that project. What prompted it and kind of how you did that? Okay. Um, Hold On to Your Horses was a story that I wrote because my daughter really needed it. She had a horrible kindergarten year, and I could watch her curling into herself, getting smaller and smaller as she was in trouble all the time. And she started to conclude that because she was always in trouble. She was a bad person. And I knew she needed a story that showed her that you can have a bad idea without being a bad person, that ideas are separate from ourselves. And not only that, but you can steer your ideas so that they are manifested in ways that are good and ways that are troublesome. And so I wrote this story for my daughter. But because she's in kindergarten and six years old, she needed pictures. And so... We ran out and we contracted with an artist named Angela Call, who does beautiful work. And um, and then I had, you know, this beautiful book with pictures, but I couldn't ask Angela to work for free. And so we had to go ahead and do the whole self-publishing and selling books so that I could afford to pay Angela for the pictures. And And that's what we did. How did you, so people understand, so, so just, let me just talk to the audience real quick. Uh, Sandra's husband sure. is, is Howard Taylor. Howard Taylor is the creator of Schlock Mercenary, um, an online comic strip that's been running for how long? Um, 14 years next summer. <laughs> 14 years without a missed day, seven days a week, 14 years. Uh, Howard has been on the show several times. He's had several successful Kickstarter projects. Um, Howard's a very good friend. And so, um, when you talk about that you went through the self-publishing, it wasn't like you just woke up and said, oh, we've got to figure out how to become self-publishers. Uh, the reason I tell that backstory is that you had a little bit of experience um, w because of what you and Howard do for his side of the business, right? Yes, we had experience, and more importantly, we had infrastructure. We were already We already knew who to print with. We already knew how to store the books in our basement. We already knew how to ship the books. All of that was already in place. Um, what was new was 
it being my project with my audience instead of one of Howard's projects with his audience. Yeah, a little bit different, a little bit different audience. Slock mercenary, science fiction mercenaries running through the uh, universe versus uh, children's story to kind of help teach some morals. Um, cause most- yes, and that, that was – go ahead. No, no, go ahead. That was kind of, <laughs> sorry, interrupting. That was kind of a surprise to us to realize – and it was a little bit of a, a wake-up call – realizing that his audience was not my audience because, you know, it all felt like our project. Schlock Mercenary is our project. Hold on to your horses is our project. But from the audience viewpoint, it looks very different. And um, when we put out the book, Hold On To Your Horses, we realized, uh, yeah, different audiences, different people will love it. Now, there's some overlap but not nearly as much as we originally expected. So that was kind of a surprise. Okay, so and I'm sure there are people listening who are fans of, of Howard's work that are probably surprised as well that, oh, you mean mm-hmm. the quarter of a million readers of Howard's uh, comic strip didn't just jump up and down and say, oh, great, we've been waiting for this. Um, so this time around, though, because uh, it's been, what, what did we decide, five years? It's been five years? Well, if it came out in 2008, that would be seven years. No, this is 13, five? Yes. Yeah, doing math. Okay. No, you're right. That's five. Yeah, I'm ne- sorry. Never yeah. do math in a live environment. That's my my motto. Never do math. So you, you came yeah. out with the book the first time. So this time around, you decided, okay, you still got the infrastructure in place, but you've learned a few lessons. And so what prompted – at what point did you say to yourself, I need to come out with another book? Um, because – the minute I put this, the first book in my daughter's hands, she started asking the question, well, yeah, I can steer my ideas, but it's no fair that I have these wild ideas and strong impulses and they get me in trouble and other people don't have that. What are they good for? Can I get rid of them? And I needed to show, I realized there's another story to be told. And the answer is to answer the question, what are these ideas, you know, wild ideas good for? And how do they make the world a better place? And it had to be an answer that made sense to a six-year-old um, rather than what – because, I mean, as an adult, I can say, oh, honey, this will make you an awesome project leader when you're a grown-up. That's not going to make a six-year-old feel good about life. Um, and so I needed to tell a story in a way that shows a young girl – realizing that the very thing that causes her problems is actually the solution to her problem. So the book is called The Strength of Wild Horses. The same, I see that you have the same artist. Um, as yes. you, and uh, you've put this out here. So you talked about the wake-up call the first time. What have you done different this time then as you approach this? Well, um, I paid attention to the wake-up call five years ago and realized, okay, if I am going to do creative things, I have to have my own audience. I cannot just uh, tag along on Howard's audience. And so in those five years, I've been blogging. I've been, you know, doing my own appearances. We've been very, very carefully making sure that I have an online creative identity that is separate from Howard's so that, um, so you know, I spent the last five years slowly building my own audience rather than just expecting Howard's audience to also buy my stuff. So let's talk about how you got here then, because, um, so you had the wake up call, but you're living, uh, so most of my listeners are Uh people who creative types have dreams and ideas, 
want to pursue those dreams, have day jobs that get in the way of those dreams. Some of them, actually, the dream and the day job are the same thing. But many of you guys who are listening, I'm talking to you guys now, coming through your mm-hmm. uh, iPhone and your podcast here. You've got these dreams and ideas, and you would love to be able to pursue that passion full time. So, Sandra, in your case, you and Howard made a decision many years ago to pursue your dreams full time. And so that's what kind of, I guess, has led to this opportunity where you're sitting now with your own identity. You and Howard have both now created uh, strong brands out there. How did you get here? Because it's very few people who have the courage to step out and pursue their dreams, let alone the financial requirements that, because you've mentioned one child, there's not just one. No, I've got four. Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) and you and Howard have, you do this full time now, right? Yes. Uh, we are full time living off of, uh, you know, the creative efforts. Uh, Schlock Mercenary is what carries most of the bills. Um, but there are other projects that carry part of them as well. How did you get here? How did you go from the both of you having a dream? And at the first, at, at early, it was Howard's dream to pursue that, that you were a key part of making sure that that happened because it wasn't, he did the, the drawing, but you were back there having known you for so many years. You were back there doing a lot of the heavy lifting. How did you guys mm-hmm. make, how did you, how did you do that? How, where did you find the courage to step out like that and say, we're going to pursue this dream, you know, 11 years ago, 12 years ago when he quit his job and, and pursued this? It begins a lot longer ago than 12 years ago. Um, when I first met Howard and we first, you know, started dating and started having conversations that said, you know, hey, we're going to build a future together, he told me he wanted to make a living creative work. Um, at the time, we thought he wanted to be a musician. Uh, it's turned out quite differently. Um, but uh, so from the very beginning of our marriage, we knew that was something that we wanted. And I think that is a key point for for the listeners out there, which is, First, you need to identify what the dream is, and it may be a way out there dream. And then you need to identify what steps can you do in your daily life today to reach towards that dream. And early on, what we did was he got a corporate job, and we made sure that we lived well within our means and paid off debts really fast, as fast as we possibly could, so that... When the time came to make the jump, we were in a good financial position that we were able to do that. We weren't trapped. Okay. Um, and when you made and that, then when we, you made that jump, so you took care of the financials, long-term planning, financial stability, and a little bit of security. Um, mm-hmm. Was that enough to do it confidently then? Oh no, we were terrified, absolutely terrified. But when it came time to jump, um, and and. Uh, we're, we're we're religious, faithful people, and it came time, and we just felt very, very strongly inspired that, that that was the right time to make the creative leap. And we looked at the numbers, and the math said we shouldn't do it. Um, you know, the cartooning had made negative $600 the previous year, and um, but we knew we had enough money to get us through the next three months. And so he quit the day job. Well, the other thing was that the day job was killing him. It was an absolutely um, emotional, hard place to be, and he needed to quit for his own sanity and health. So he went ahead and quit, and we had three months of money in the bank, and we figured, okay, we have three months 
to try and bring more money in. And we lived that way for two years, year and a half to two years, where we never had more than about one to three months of bills that we could see how we were going to pay. Um, and we just scrambled so that we could keep it. Um, and by that point, we already had the house. We already had four kids. Um, two cars, and so we just scrambled. And um, a lot of my efforts at that point in time was, how can I make everything cost less? I spent a lot of time doing frugal living things, you know, making homemade things, uh, shopping sales. Um, for example, one year for Christmas, I um, our entire spending budget for Christmas was one hundred dollars, and that paid for everything from all the gifts to all the food to everything. And uh, and we accomplished that by shopping garage sales starting, you know, in May, um, and planning way ahead. And you know, that's that's a whole story there, um, which leads into the you know the mutual support uh, aspect of this. We both had to be a hundred percent on board for this. Um, and you did, and it succeeded. I I got to watch and be there as. That happened. The both of you continue to be one of the uh, great inspirations to me. Uh, in some ways, I don't think this podcast would exist uh, without the inspiration that both of you provided um, for that courage. Because I watched you do that, and to this day, still scratch my head of, of the absolutely miraculous way that you both of you walked on water. Uh, so it was, it was pretty amazing. And miracle is a good word. It really is because uh, honestly. I look back and sometimes I look forward and I think, how on earth is this going to work? And and we are blessed because for some reason this work is worthwhile. It is adding something to the world, and um, and and so it, it continues to work. Okay, so now that's that was the start, and you've now and then Howard built his up. You supported it. And continue to support that with, like I said, the heavy lift, heavy lifting on the backside. Now you mm-hmm. are making uh, your own foray out there. So for the last five years, what have you done, Sandra Taylor, to p- promote mm-hmm. and build up your presence? Because you've got a pretty big. I mean, it's not a bad thing, but you got a pretty big shadow that you're standing under when it comes to Howard. And the shadow uh, definitely has an effect, and that is one of the things that we've very, very deliberately tried to address, um, and we've not always succeeded. I mean, there have been times where, you know, uh, there's an event where Howard has to pull out, and he can't go anymore, and then they turn to me and say, well, never mind, we don't want you. Um, and that hurts a lot. Oh, my gosh, that that sucks. But... um but what we've done is deliberately made sure that we are not always doing everything in tandem. You know, Howard does his things. I do my things. There's a lot of crossover. Um, but at professional events, I don't hover next to him. I go out on my own and meet and greet people separately. I had to learn, very, and that was an amusing thing to learn, was that when I introduce myself, I don't start by saying, yes, I'm Sandra Taylor and Howard Taylor's wife. That's not how I need to be presenting myself. I need to be saying, I am Sandra Taylor, and I do creative things. You know, and these are the things that I do. Um, oh, and by the way, 
I'm also attached to that guy over there. Right. Um, Which is kind of, yeah. I, I realized that when you came on the show, it's was like, um, I really want to just introduce you as Sandra Taylor, but in some ways the story at the, at the point we're telling it is intertwined, but yes, you're here yes, because you're here because of what you're doing. Um, and it's not because of what Howard has done because Howard hasn't been involved with this. I mean, has he been involved with this project? He has a lot of hands off. Howard tends to, um, when he gets enthusiastic about something, he wants to grab hold of it and run off with it and make go do things with it. And he's been trying to very carefully not run off with my project, um, which is a, a wonderful kindness and good self-awareness on his part. He's, he's making sure that he's not taking over my things. Yeah. Um, you brought up a very... Uh, important point, you know, when you talk about heavy lifting, I still do a lot of the heavy lifting on Schlock Mercenary. Howard is the visible face of that project. Yeah. I ship all the books. I run all the business. Um, you, pay the, you pay the bills. I pay the bills. I, you know, I do all of the background structural work to make it go. Um, for my projects, Howard provides a lot of emotional support and a lot of hidden support. <laughs> so what you're trying to politely say is, in your projects, you do the front end and the back heavy lifting. For Howard's projects, he's the front end and you're the back. Okay, we got it. No, 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 I understand. <laughs> well, that makes him sound awful. No, um, no, we both love Howard. No, but what it does point out is is that right this the, the sharing isn't like I got my stuff, you got your stuff. It uh, you know sometimes there's a crossover here because it wouldn't make sense honestly for Howard, who's not involved with the back end of the logistics to get involved simply to provide support. Cause he, I, I understand that. Right. It was just getting away. I, yeah. He would get in the way. I don't want to muck in my systems. <laughs> That's um, right. Stay, and, stay out of yeah. my system. Yeah. Well, it just, it would add stress. And this is one of the things that, uh, when you're in a, a, a marriage, um, or a creative partnership, there's this careful balance of, of, Stress. I, I, I a lot of times think about it as, as you know, hats and things. I am I play for art director for Howard. I go and tell him, hey, we need a calendar. I need you to draw 12 pictures, and they need to be this kind of a thing. And then Howard gets grouchy because he doesn't really want to draw those pictures this week or whatever, and he wants to go complain about his art director. So he goes to his wife to complain about his art director, but they're both me. And um, that sometimes... <laughs> gets a little tricky. I bet it but, does. Um, well, but the it, point I was trying to get to is that uh, you build this rapport and I apparently lost track of my point. No, Sorry. that's right. You've made a great point. Howard doesn't really work. He just sits around and just is grouchy and draws things. So that was a great point to make. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so we, we, we only have a minute left. Um, okay. Uh, and, and so... It's great. You've got this project coming out. It's called. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, now I've lost my train of thought. The, the strength of wild horses. It's on Kickstarter. Yeah. It's under Sandra Taylor. If you look up Howard Taylor, you're not going to find it. That's Taylor with a T A Y L E R. And Sandra, where can people find you uh, out online? You can find me at onecobble.com. That's uh, O N E C O B B L E dot com. That's my blog site. Um, or you can find me on Twitter with at Sandra Taylor. 
And that's Taylor, again, T-A-Y-L-E-R. Sandra, I certainly appreciate you coming back, excuse me, coming on the show. And I was just going to say, we're going to have you come back. And we're not even going to talk about that other guy when you come back. Because it's just going to, we're going to talk about this. (laughs) Because one of the things I want to know is for kids, stress, running a creative business um, with your husband and running a Kickstarter campaign at the same time, I bet you're going to have a great, a lot of good uh, con- uh, content for us to share. So we'll have you back. Stand on your own. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you so much for being on the yeah. show. You're welcome. We've been listening to Funding the Dream with Sandra Taylor. She is the uh, artist, excuse me, the author of Hold On to Your Horses, a book published about five years ago, and its sequel, The Strength of Wild Horses, which is a Kickstarter campaign. We've talked about how... Somebody goes about uh, living a life as a full-time creative person, whether you're married to that person or that person is yourself. She's been uh, very enlightening, and we've loved the conversation. Hopefully, you've heard something inspiring. I know I have. It's always good to have great guests. Thanks for listening. We're looking forward to seeing your Kickstarter project out there so we can help you fund your dream. Take care.